basically a wiretap that you're paying for. There's no way in hell you'd ever catch me with one of those in my home. All right, mic check, mic check, one, two. I am here. Mike, Mike, Mike. Mike is here. I'm here. Heath check, Heath check, seven, eight, nine, back into 502. We're going to totally mess up your podcast. Don't worry. <laughs> it's all good. You know, I'm just here to have fun today. Rock it out. Let me breathe. <laughs> All right, we're back with Floor Seats, hosted by Jerry Sivo James. We're streaming live. We're actually not streaming live. We're recording in downtown Frankfurt in Foolproof Creative Studios. This is the first episode of 2020, and I'm excited to be locked and loaded with some content for, for the airwaves, for y'all driving, for when you're climbing or hiking to the crag. I'm, I'm stoked to be here. I kind of fell back from the podcast thing for a little bit because I was trying to really figure out my flow with it. This is episode four. For y'all that don't know, I kind of took like a month off. I really want to cover a lot of great outdoor recreation topics, environmental topics, and stuff like that. But the problem is, being here in Kentucky, it's hard to have access to a lot of different people that I want to interview. And I don't want to do the phone the phone call thing. So I've been trying to figure out a good framework for that. So I think I, I, think I have something. Um, but yeah. So anyways, let's do some updates. Um, if y'all come from like the church background, like me, you know, this is like, you know, the section of, of church where you have your little church announcements, you know, the organ plays and the ushers come out and pass around, you know, the offering, <laughs> the offering plate Amazing <laughs> grace. and you, you know, you talk about your sick and shut in and stuff like that. So anyways, here's my little announcements. Um, since we last talked, I've helped launch a nonprofit called Red River Gorge United. It's a, a organization that's meant to preserve or encourage sustainable growth of the Red River Gorge. Right now, there's a big um, development organization, nonprofit that is wanting to build a destination resort. So where do you stand on this? Uh, hmm. Um, I didn't introduce my guest yet. Oh, but, sorry. No, sorry. No, 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 no. I didn't, I didn't introduce my, my <laughs> guest yet, but we'll banner back and forth. Um, so You're we're interrupting church announcements. Oh, well, I understand, yeah. but you know, free form podcast. <laughs> I'm, about to, I'm about to just <laughs> lean away because the thunderbolt comes. No. Um, so where do I stand guests who I haven't introduced yet? <laughs> so well, I want to say this. So Red River Gorge United is not an anti-development organization. Basically, back in October, I saw the RFP and the concept papers roll out. And me, like a lot of other people, a lot of local folk, a lot of existing people in the gorge were like, yo, what the heck is going on? Like this, it was really robust. They said destination resort. My name's Heath Rowland. We're going to come in here and talk with Gary. <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> I'm just too antsy. I want to talk. Okay. No, no, okay. Yeah, so they want to do a destination resort. They want to control a 10-mile radius around the resort. They want to kind of make it nice, nice, well, ensure that it's nice. And there's a lot of different aspects to it that felt detrimental to the small businesses that have made up the gorge and, and made its tourist economy boom. And I don't know. So where do I stand on it? I'm more RRGU and Jerry James. We're more about small, incremental, sustainable growth. So that's where I stand. It's yeah. just been, it's just been really interesting to see the the uproar around this, and for me, it's polarizing when you have a lot of people who aren't connected to the Red River Gorge chiming in super heavy. Yeah, and then you have people who are, you know, some people that I've talked to in the region are kind of pro development, some people are against it. Like, and it's just really, I'm just curious where you stand on this because. To me, I do see that it could be a strong economic driver for the region, and everybody's like, oh, it's going to be Gallenberg. And you're just like, well, yeah, Gallenberg makes millions and millions of dollars for so many people in that area. Like, 
that section of the Smoky Mountains was wildly impoverished before it became a tourist destination. Sure. And now people have really robust, strong businesses and everybody wants to cut out coal. Everybody wants to cut out oil. Everybody wants to cut out every economic producer in East Kentucky. But then you propose something that is maybe sustainable, maybe not, right? We don't know the impact on the land fully yet. It's going to be big. But then everybody's like, no, we can't do that either. So it's like, what do you want these people to do? Where do you want these people to work? Do you just want them to abandon the mountains? Do you want them to do what? You know? And Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's like, as I'm an environmentalist. But I'm also like my career, I've kind of I work like a lot of rural community development. So like I, it's very it's a very nuanced topic for me. And I've been trying to navigate this topic very carefully because I don't want people just to think this is privileged environmentalists that live in like Lexington, Louisville and, you know, metropolitan suburban areas that are want the gorge as their backyard to go to. And then when they come back out of the gorge, they go back to their privileged areas with jobs and schools yeah rolling it's, down with their their yoga pants and nike freeze <laughs> and getting their one instagram a year or instagram snap a year and then yeah. being like save the red so it's, i love this place but but like i think what people are missing is like folks that i'm working with they're f- people that are there these are people that are there so that are like concerned about so development doesn't have to look like traditional top-down development right so like the big thing we're trying to push is like a community community-based development plan you have existing people there that have like ideas and dreams and stuff like that you know um we've seen miguel's pizza over the past several years they've grown 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 it's like gotten scary like i go in there and i'm like whoa this is like freaking cafeteria back there so they've done that sustainably and here's the big thing guess who i haven't introduced but introduce himself but we'll get to that <laughs> is $1 million of taxpayers' dollars involved in this project. So $500,000 from the Appalachian Regional Commission and $500,000 from the state do coal severance tax money. This is, and it's being used in Powell County, It was a county that didn't have coal. So like there's some, there's some things there. And then there's four financial institutions that are on the board. And at the public meeting, I asked them, I said, hey, like, uh, will y'all recuse yourself from any for-profit ventures. So after this, a million dollars is used to fund this development plan, master plan, and then y'all shop it out to produce the the, uh, the for-profit ventures, will y'all recuse yourself from being investors in that? And I, did, I couldn't get a clear, concise answer. So like for me, there's just some, there's some things there, like whereas I feel like, to your point, you talked about coal. This is like, there is, this is like kind of the new coal. We don't, I don't, my, my thing is I don't want ecotourism to be the new coal. So one entity coming in and dictating things for a community. And that's how a lot of people on the ground and I'm Reverend Gorge and I, I'm really stoked to be involved with a lot of folk. I've been working on this since like October, like research, reading legal, legal research um, documents. We commute, created a community survey to really glean um, information from Powell County, Menifee, Lee and Wolf. And then we have uh outside people of outside the region and i think right now we're sitting at 43 percent local input and it's really it's really interesting it's polarizing like you said because there is people that are like yo we need jobs but but hey we need to protect this area but also like these people are like oh the resort is going to produce produce jobs but they're minimum wage jobs 
the minimum wage jobs are I already- mean, nobody's sent out a job application yet with the rage weight on it. So the pre, there's a presumption that it's going to be minimum wage jobs, but there's no real work. When you, when but you even say, then you, you look at a housing area where you can buy homes for thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, minimum wage sucks. It could possibly get you a job, but I don't think they'll be. Well, I don't know. I, I, I can't what, say whether so like, they'll be minimum it's just wage. But from like you know, my they job. are low. They are entry level jobs and things like that. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. From traveling and living all around the world and stuff like that, it's just like knowing like what people pay. They pay people at resorts, and a lot of people in Powell County that I've talked to, the, a lot of people in the county, they commute out to work. They want to go work at a factory or like Toyota where they can get a pretty decent yeah, middle class wage. And I'm sorry, and and like, but I, I, again, it's a nuanced thing. And so, the point is, Rivery Gorge United is not an anti-organization. We're not the anti-Gatlinburg crowd. We're more about like accountability, accountability, and small incremental sustainable growth, and making sure the community has input into this, not just people coming in and flying in by night and saying we're gonna do this. But um, yeah, so I went off on a tangent. But, no, 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 no. And good. I'm sorry, guests who I haven't introduced to my to my left yet. But um, do you have any thoughts on it? <laughs> well, I'm just glad you all are there doing that, putting more eyes on what's going on and creating more awareness about what's going on too. Because I think that only positive things can come from that. If this development is going to happen and you all are bringing more community members and putting more eyes on it, well, I'd like to think that these developers that are coming in are taking notice. Oh, okay. People are actually watching what we're doing and maybe they won't cut as many corners, do a better job. Yeah. I don't know. I, I haven't done a ton of reading into it and I also don't live in those counties. Yeah. yeah I've been kind of busy doing film stuff and tour yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, you've been filming Mike. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah. So Rare Gorge United and um, I'll probably have a podcast later on to talk about that work. Cause it's really, really great work. And it's, it's a really, it's a really polarizing topic. It's a really divided Kentucky's outdoor community. Literally, like, it's it's divided folk. Next thing, so I'm prepping to be a guest speaker at Western Kentucky University's Idea Festival uh, next month, later on in the month. Really excited about that. I hope I don't bore people. <laughs> and then I have been gun in earnest preparing for the KR255. I don't know if y'all here know what the KR255 is. It's an event that started in 2016. It's a race from Beattyville to Carrollton on the Kentucky River. What? It's a paddle sports race, 255 miles. So I did it back in 2017 as part of a team. We did it in 83 hours. We got second place. And what time of year do they do the race? This year, it's going to be September 16th through 21st. Gotcha. Uh, the first, when I did it, it was during the summer. It was like in July. But um, so I've been like kind of training, getting le- trying to get leaner and meaner. Do you guys do it in sections? Like you take this pool, the next person takes the next pool? No, no, no. It's all the way. It's all out. It's all out. So you're on the river from Beattyville to Carrollton. Yeah. So when we, we did it, like I said, 83 hours, that was like... Was the river up? What was the... Because I've paddled... I've section paddled a majority of the Kentucky already. Uh, I need to do from here to Carrollton. And it, we do it in like... We always did a Labor Day weekend and the water was always flat and it was terrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The water's, the water's usually flat. But we're, you know, people that do this event, they're in like race kayaks or like a race. Like I was in a four man racing canoe. So it was a lot of fun. And we, you know, we it was it was tiring. I, I think I, it's one of the most physical things I've done in like a while since like Air Force training or college soccer. <laughs> yeah, no, we did it in like Dick Sporting Good canoes with coolers <laughs> full of beer. And yeah. Yeah, we were like not light and fast. We were it was. Yeah, I had blisters on my hands afterwards. So anyways, I'm, I'm preparing to do it solo. 
and my Epic uh, V8 Pro. It's a 20, it's a, well, it's a 19 and a half foot racing kayak. And um, so I'm just stoked training for that. And then um, for the all the Kentucky Waterman Series folk that are listening, the Kentucky Waterman Series is no more. Kentucky Waterman Series is an event series I created with paddle sports races that happen all around the state. But it's gone successful, so it's just become the Waterman Series. And so now the series is in Kentucky, West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. So that's my little church announcement. Sorry that I you know dragged it on, y'all, but um, yeah. So... This is the main event. This is what people came here to listen to. I, and I apologize for that self-promotion. There's something about self-promotion that feels like super dirty. <laughs> it's cause it's dirty. It is dirty, but it's like, it's like necessary, especially when you like, you know, do stuff for yourself, work for yourself. It's like, you gotta get it out there. But anyways, this is like, I'm, I'm really excited about the guests I have in the studio today. This is like really why I created this show and this platform and Explore Kentucky. Cause I wanted to kind of showcase all these awesome people that I've met around the Commonwealth, met around um, the greater South and stuff like that. So without further ado to my right, or sorry, to my left, got Mike Wilkerson, right ish. Yeah. Straight across, <laughs> straight across. I got Mr. Heath Rowland, these gentlemen, you know, not to be, uh, use hyperbole, but they're some of the raddest folks that I've met, you know, in my adulthood. <laughs> Mike is like a Lensman extraordinaire. As someone that has a full journalism background, I really appreciate. I've over the past few years of knowing Mike, I've been able to learn things from him and and really I love his technique and stuff like that. So it's always good to I don't know, be able to like look at photojournalists that you appreciate and um just just learn and and, and appreciate their work. And then Mike, not only is he a photojournalist, but he's he's a rock climber, an outdoor adventurer. He's pretty much he's an he's all arounder. A, he's a filmmaker. He's not much of a talker, but he's yeah. an all arounder. <laughs> he's a very like, silent, but <laughs> you know, he's an assassin. He's he, what like, my mom would call the he gets work done. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thanks for the comments on on doing like some of the photo work. because um, yeah, you you know it takes more than just holding up your iPhone and pressing that button and then press the magic button to make it look a little bit cooler, put an Instagram filter on. Oh it, yeah. Um, yeah. But because everybody's doing it now, it kind of muddies the waters a little bit. So you really have to make sure your work is next level when you want it to stand out that, yeah. that much more. Um, which I guess just kind of keeps folks like, like me and you honest, right? Like we know that it takes a little bit more to actually produce like a decent image and we know what it takes to make that happen. Yeah. You came and I'll introduce Heath more in a second, but you came at a really interesting time in Kentucky because I've been shooting since I was like in high school and, you know, went off to college and got all my degrees and stuff. And I was snapping hard, going hard. But then I just reached a point where I was like, oh, man, like things are peaking here. It's like I've seen every scenery. I've seen like all these waterfalls, you know, shot this. But then like you came and you kind of brought some excitement um, in competition to, I feel like the Kentucky, you know, visual scene, I feel like things had gotten kind of stagnant and you've kind of stepped it up. Good. Well, I, I had to, right? Like I, I'm, I'm the new kid on the block. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, when you land someplace new and you're trying to restart a business there, which I've done a couple of times now, I mean, I knew that I needed to hit the ground running and interject myself into that scene as quickly as possible and start putting out content, start going to the places and taking the photos and just try to make a little bit of a name for myself right away. And that's how, you know, you and I got introduced yeah. and we met just down the street here yeah. in Frankfurt one time and then started, 
you know, yapping about photo stuff and events and rock climbing and all the things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, that was a very like premeditated plan to, to come in and kill the game, just kind of like <laughs> jump into the scene as quickly as possible and just get into the deep end and just, you know, get that done as soon as possible and start getting work and yeah, just start being a part of the scene. Yeah. You came and I kind of, it was like in the midst of like my slowdown. Cause like I started to be more involved at like activism and community development work and events and like programming. So anyways, it's just exciting to see someone like you out there. And then my man, Heath, oh man, dude. So it's really interesting, Heath, like you, a lot of rock climbers are not like, so the river gorge, you know, East Kentucky is a really a great place for like adventuring and rock climbing, all, all that good stuff. But it, historically it seems like a lot of those people the people that you know put up these first ascents and all these stuff like that they come from outside the region and you're one of the first rock climbers that i've met from like deeper east kentucky it does kind of seem that way you know the the red river gorge wants to bring people from ohio it's like it's like a buckeye magnet you know Mm -hmm. it's like just draws people in and a lot of the guys that have really left their mark there have kind of traveled in some of the guys are from kentucky uh, Ed Pearsall, you know, he was oh, from yeah. Kentucky. Larry. I think Kevin Pogue, Larry, I think might've been from Kentucky. I can't remember if he moved here, but a lot of those old school guys, man, I think they, they were kind of from the bluegrass region, but not a lot of folks from East Kentucky. Um, you know, growing up, I didn't have any, nobody was climbing around me. Like I didn't have a buddy who was climbing. I didn't have anything. I had a, a friend's dad who would, you know, take us repelling off of these like coal mine high walls at the strip job <laughs> and uh which is a terror fest because the rock is really really loose uh but we learned rope skills from there and i was tying my own harness out of webbing and we were like using lowe's ropes to to go repelling <laughs> it was sketchy as hell bomber but yeah for sure like i think we were like tying off to the back of the truck because there's no trees around and you know, stuff like that. And then <laughs> that later turned into a love for rock climbing. Later in life, though, I mean, I, I didn't properly start climbing until I was like 26, 28, something wow. like that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, you're, I mean, I think you're one of like inspiring people for me because I do like a lot of work in the Appalachian region. And I don't know. I feel like people, they need, people need role models like you in the sense of like, I know you might not want to be a role model, but I'm saying that a lot of people are like, oh, we need, we need to leave the region. Oh yeah. The parkway, they might as well turn the parkway into a one way road, you know, like it should only run from East Kentucky to Lexington because nobody ever goes back. Like it just, you know, people are rolling out and you know, it's really cool to see that they're trying to improve the parkway. They're trying to expand it. They're trying to make it, you know, four lanes so they can get more commerce down there, larger trucks, you know, to bring the things that are needed to the region to help that place grow. But um, yeah, there's not a lot. Everything leaves East Kentucky. Nothing stays there, it seems. Yeah. And and like, I think like your style of climbing is also inspiring because like we're in this like era of like social media and stuff like that. And I'm critiquing myself. You know, I have explored Kentucky you know, it's as popular like Instagram and, and so it's or, an organization. So too. Hot. But we're in this era like with, with climbing where it's all about like, you know, clout for the grand and like your style. You're like, I don't care about like social media. I just want to get out there in the dirty stuff. I've, the st- I've, I've let it get me, though, sometimes, you know, <laughs> you know, you go out rolling around with Mike Wilkinson and 
Brian Miller and some of these guys who are psyched to take photos and you know they're they're taking pictures it's that make fun. you feel like it's a hero and you're like well I'm gonna grab well, I'm that saying, shit. <laughs> I'm saying in the sense of like like the you know the popular style of climbing is sport climbing. Oh yeah, but for you're sure. like not y'all you know you're not out there sport climbing. You're like in freaking dirty like holler that's because i suck so bad at sport climbing you know i I got to a point where i was like i'm never going to be like a move for move really strong climber so let's find something that i can you know find fulfillment from so do you i can i kind of think about your style climbing as like journeyman climbing you know like adventure i don't know it's sadistic and uh maybe (laughs) yeah i don't know masochistic uh, it's both, I think, on both sides. Like I like to punish people and punish myself. It's so. a, it's adventurous. It's taking it back to the adventure that you can't always find just going clipping bolts for forty feet to some chains and then lowering down with thirty people around. I you. mean, it's what rock climbing was until Absolutely. sport climbing came around, right? Like yeah. the concept of coming top down, the concept of none of that existed. Like you had a bunch of metal that was formed into different shapes that would fit into a crack and not fall out. You would walk up to a crack, you would start climbing, and if you fail, you would lower to the ground and try again, and then you'd do that till you climb to the top without falling, and that was rock climbing for so long, and, you know, it just, it, it, I think sport climbing was a natural progression for what people wanted to do, and there's these beautiful faces that are not protectable by traditional gear, and if you didn't bolt those climbs, then they would never exist, but it really, you know, the style of climbing that we do most of the time is as traditional of climbing as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that appeals to me. I, I sort of try to carve out more time in my busy schedule, like busy life to dedicate myself back to climbing. Cause I, I really, I did sport climbing for a bit, but like, I, I like, I like trad more. I like, you know, the trad concept. You would I, like alpine climbing. Like you, I do. You as remember, an endurance athlete, man, like you remember, would, you remember, I, remember I told you a couple of years ago, like one of my goals is to do the Matterhorn and big goal <laughs> but like i i like that adventure aspect yeah. like sport climbing just it's cool but like like you said like the i don't know just right exploring well, like, like i say one of the things hiking. that took me to track climbing was sucking at sport climbing like yeah. i just wasn't very i still am i'm not very good at it to this day you know and still that's that you know i was like oh wait a minute i can take this stuff and go where nobody can see me suck and i can go have a fun <laughs> day you know without like the watchful eye of the massive Red River Gorge crag, you know? And yeah. uh, I've, I apparently have lost the fear of the watchful eye these days. But yeah, let's yeah. not get into bouldering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's not even discuss that. So, um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's a good intro for both of y'all. Um, I could say so much more. So, But I want to say, Heath, like, how does it feel to be back in Frankfurt? Man, we were just talking before we kicked the record button on. Uh, it's amazing to be here and it's amazing to see how this town's moving along. Like I lived here for 16 years and it was really frustrating. Um, I may have been quoted saying that Frankfurt's nothing but old white people in bourbon. Um, and it's really, we sold our house like maybe almost two years ago now or something. I can't remember. Um, and left and it was almost like everybody's like, Heat's gone. Let's turn this shit into a party. <laughs> and, you know, it's like walking down the street. There's nice piece of artwork I've never seen before outside. And then this studio is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, it's so good to be back because this town is cranking and Kentucky needs to put this place on their radar because yeah. it's cool. Yeah. Whenever I first was thinking about starting a podcast, Heath was my first episode notes. Oh, I bet. It was like we had the name Semi-Rad Hillbilly or Semi-Rad Hillbilly coal miner turned rock climber. <laughs> that was the title. But then I was waiting for a studio to be here in Frankfurt so I can just like come out of my house and record. So, anyways, 
And then he left. And then he left. Yeah. And then he left. And then again, you put on like a whole city onto Rab. Yeah. Like, I, like, well, I mean, you know, it's real easy whenever your friends are looking for a discount to, <laughs> to get people socked on a, no, you see, on a brand. Yeah. You see some like walking around and they're, you know, you're not, they're not a climber in the outdoor community per se. Step out like a Prius or something like that and they're like wearing a Rab jacket. Yeah. Like, you already know what it is. Yeah, for sure. So, anyways, jump into this more. I've been rambling. I'm sorry about that, listeners. So I want to go back to Mike. So Mike, where are you from? Where did you come from to our beautiful Commonwealth? Um, Why did you come here? Yeah, I'm from Southeast Michigan originally, just outside of Ann Arbor. And that's where I got into climbing, started my video production, photography business there. Wanted to chase a little bit more adventure, moved out west for a few years. Um, my partner, Jen, got a cool job uh, with Osprey Packs. Uh, so we checked that out for a little while, got to play in the mountains a little bit, but ultimately decided that particular community wasn't for us. And even before we moved out west, every other weekend, we would come down to Kentucky to go climbing in the Red River Gorge. When we lived out west, we would take our falls and come back to Kentucky to climb in the Red River Gorge. So we did this big road trip and lived out of the truck for a few months, and we ended up back in Kentucky just climbing, camping. And we're like, you know what? Why don't we go have a have a little look at Louisville, Lexington, and just see what these Louisville, communities are like. <laughs> we gotta give them some. Yeah, yeah you gotta shoot them some bail. You gotta like put marbles yeah, in your yeah. mouth and say it. Louisville. I keep trying. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't. I don't say Louisville anymore. Okay, good. I, I know that much. We um, be friends. So yeah, we we ultimately decided we just kind of like like the vibe. We like the community. We liked being close to climbing. So we just landed in Lexington about three and a half, four years ago now. Good. And then Heath, what's your, you know, where, where, um, you know, you're from Kentucky. So what's your, what's your, um, what's your county? All that Johnson stuff? County, man. Okay. Rep, rep for your set. Yeah, Johnson County, <laughs> Paintsville, then, Van Leer. How'd you get, um, how'd you get the Frankfurt? Chased a girl here. Chased a girl here. Yeah. Mm. So these two folks are in the studio. Uh, Mike, uh, they, they, <laughs> I'm trying to keep. Heath, you messed me up, man. I was like, I had this like flow, and I how I how I do. Structure. <laughs> That's what I do. Um, I wrote a script for the theater for, uh, for the presentation last night before we played the film, and like five minutes before the film, Heath comes like run up to me, Mike. How about how about we do this other thing? Can I just like introduce you and you do this? And I'm like, well, he's like, no, 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 we'll just stick to the script then. Okay, cool. And it like goes away. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Like as someone in the audience, it came across as authentic. People were like laughing. It was great. Yeah. But um, so these two gentlemen are in the studio. Uh, they've created a film called Gone Tomorrow: The Story of Kentucky Ice Climbing. It's produced, executively produced, shot, and all that stuff by Mike and Heath. Is a really a central figure in this. You can film. say star. He's the main <laughs> mouthpiece. The main, <laughs> the main mouthpiece. Mm. Mouth of the South. <laughs> I think I've got that film at home. Oh, do you? Yeah, it's not what you think. Oh God. Oh gosh. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. I thought I would take it the wrong direction. It was Mike Wilkinson. No. Oh, by the way, this is like you know, if you're at, if you're listening at work, this may or may not be safe for work. You might just want to turn the volume down a little bit. It might be some you know, colorful language and stuff like that. So I don't want your bosses to be like, yo, what are you listening to? Um, yeah, I mean, this isn't radio, so we can swear, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So how did you, how did, and y'all can take this round table. How'd y'all get into ice climbing? Who wants, whoever wants to go um, Well, maybe we'll just like relate it back to the Kentucky part. You know, we can meet in the Kentucky part. I started ice climbing in Michigan, up in the UP. Um, I actually ice climbed before I rock climbed. Mm. Um, living in Michigan. Gotcha. You know, what else are you going to do? We don't have hills to ski on. Um, 
so yeah, I got into it there and kind of got bit by the bug and then got into the rock climbing. And by the time I moved to Kentucky, that's where I met up with Heath and he was already into the ice climbing scene here. Yeah. I started climbing ice here in Frankfurt. Um, how'd you, what made you in Frankfurt, Kentucky, Kentucky state capital, boring Frankfurt. When I got, when I got into climbing, it was like, it consumed me. So I don't, I mean, it would probably take four hours for me to go too far down my background, but I was wilder than a coon, man. I was just like into garbage all the time. I was partying. I was just, I don't know, man. I was, I was definitely a very colorful human being coming up. And as I got a little older, like I said, I really got into climbing in my late twenties. And that came from me like winding down this urge to party, to be a total knucklehead. So whenever I, you know, I kind of put everything I have into anything I do. Whenever I was partying, man, I, that's what I was doing. And then when I started climbing, you know, that consumed me. So I wanted to learn how to do everything. And that meant, you know, to me, I didn't have this concept. I didn't start in a climbing gym. I didn't start going sport climbing in the Red River Gorge. So I didn't have this narrow vision of what climbing was. I, to me, climbing was any and all thing vertical. And it was mountains. It was sport climbing. It was this. It was that. And so, you know, as soon as I started climbing, I started track climbing. I didn't start sport climbing. I started track climbing. And I did sport climb, too, because it was that. And then as soon as that happened, you know, I, I saw people climbing ice. I was like, wow, that's rad, you know, because I spent so many hours on YouTube, just any and everything I climbing-related, I was just soaking it so all So you in. saw ice climbing first on YouTube? Probably, you know, or in a magazine, you know, because I you know, was the kind of person who was subscribed to Rock and Ice and Climbing Magazine. I, just, I was literally at, at taking in as much as possible. So it was on my radar, and I was driving up Devil's Hollow Road one day, and it was in the middle of winter, and it was just boom, like super fat, crazy ice that was just like everything I'd seen on the internet, you know, and everything I'd seen in the magazine. You're like, ah. And I went home, got on eBay, bought like the most antiquated, terrible <laughs> gear you could find. I think you might have used the boots once. Oh, God. You know, I got some tools that are straight out. They need to be in a museum, the <laughs> ice tools. And I didn't even have crampons at first because I didn't have the money to put it was it like Shenard from Shenard's collection. Yes. And you want to talk about an isolation of sport. Ice climbing is absurdly expensive. Like mm -hmm. it's seven hundred dollars to get a new pair of ice climbing tools. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're at two hundred bucks on crampons, six hundred bucks on boots, you know, sixty bucks per screw. I mean, it's absurd. You have to be rich and or buy shitty gear off of eBay. And so like the first time I went ice climbing, I didn't have crampons on my boots. I just had the tools and I was hanging off the tool, chopping out steps so I could put my feet on the steps and then climb again, then chop out a foot and step up on that, you know, and then I finally got a pair of crampons and, but this was 2012. It, no, I'm sorry. It was before that. It was probably 2010 because uh, in 2011. That's when I first came to Kentucky, 2010. Yeah. I got a chance to go to uh, Montana to do a job. Mm-hmm. And I immediately bought new gear and we were just right outside of Highlight Canyon. And that's where I really got to cut my teeth and learn how to ice climb. And you sound like my, <laughs> my dad and my bro, his brother. So my dad has epilepsy and he got it because I sound epileptic. No, 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 no. My dad. <laughs> no, no, no. So my dad and his brother saw uh, Indiana Jones, uh, like Raiders Lost Ark and stuff like that. And they got inspired. <laughs> so they went and got a hatchet and tied rope rope to it on the bottom. And then my dad and my, his brother would like throw it up on like hills 
pull it, pull it, make sure it's tight, and then like aid climb up, <laughs> pull it out, and then one day, my, they pull put on the rope and it came back, poof, and hit my dad in in the head, and um, he had to go to the hospital and get stuff. But then when he joined the army, he had like an epileptic seizure, and he didn't. It it was years later, and it was from that incident. Whoa! But anyways, what I'm <laughs> saying. <laughs> Is like that's that a serious turn? Well, no. What I'm saying is, is there's that DIY adventure well, culture. Just and get that's out there. what it is, though. I mean, I don't want to be one of these people to be like, oh, we're nerfing the world, but we are nerfing the world. You know, like there's a famous ice climber named Will Gad who is like, you must top rope 100 pitches of ice before you even consider leading one pitch of ice. Like, and you must be this dialed in and this that. And and where he comes from is a place of practicality, but. Yeah. At the same time, do you think Barry Blanchard top roped? Sorry, Barry Blanchard is like a very famous Canadian alpinist who put up first ascents in the Canadian Rockies on a grand scale. And he was just a kid throwing himself at the mountains, getting benighted and sleeping on the top of these crazy peaks all the time, completely shit showing, completely dangerous. Still alive today. And he, you know, but he did it trial by error. And that's just the only way I knew to do it, you know? Yeah, I think that there is, and um, I think that there's like a, a lure to that because to nowadays there's so much material available and there's a set way that people feel you have to progress and there's an adventure to it. Like for me in my climbing, like, you know, journey was like, and I think I told you all this before, I was like, I graduated high school in Lawton, Oklahoma, which is in the Comanche Nation and there's the Wichita Mountains. So me and my buddies were just hiking in the mountains and I saw these guys climbing and falling on a mattress. I thought it was a mattress because I'd never really had seen climbing like in real life. And so I was like, oh, this is sick. These guys are falling on a mattress. How they, why'd they haul this mattress out there? So then I was like, hey, yo, can I try it? And they're like, oh, this is called bouldering. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So then I worked when I, I worked at this little military outfitter store in the base I lived on, Fort Sill. So this dude came in one day and he was like, he was like, hey kid. I was like 18, 19 at the time. Oh uh, no, like 18. And he was like, Hey, my, my wife's having the baby. She's making me sell her climbing gear. She's like, you look like some, he's like, you look like somebody that would enjoy this. I was like, heck yeah. He was like 60 bucks. And I was like, heck yeah. So it was a rope, um, an ATC. Um, he had like an, some old rusty, like a cam and a, and a, and a harness and all this stuff like that. And for 60 bucks. And so I took it and messed around with it with some buddies and then went to OKC rocks and, and stuff like that. So anyways, it was just, it was like cool for me. That's how I learned about it. I didn't learn about it from going to the gym, but, um, but anyways, how did y'all link up? Like, how did y'all link up? John, yeah, John, uh, I had heard that there was ice climbing somewhere in Kentucky. So after I moved here, I asked, um, a mutual friend. I was like, so, so who's doing it here? Who do I need to talk to? And I think he maybe linked us up on Facebook or something. And I sent you a message like, Hey, I'm noticing it's getting cold outside. I hear there's ice. And you're like, uh, meet me in this trailer park in Frankfurt. So that was 2016. That was with you. I think that was the day that I don't know. No, that you, wasn't the first day, was it? No, no, that wasn't that wasn't that day with Jerry. Yeah. No, I was out. There was uh, uh, Jake O'Brien, um, this guy, John, who was at the film last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Rogers. John Rogers, uh, yeah. He, he was there. Tommy Nance was there. I think Je- Jeff Riz was maybe there. Yeah, that wasn't um, the day that Jeff had the anchor on the ice tools in the dirt, was it? No. We rolled up on that? No, that was no. another day. Okay. What, what year is that? Y'all remember? So that was 2015, 16. 
yeah that was that that was that winter it was i think that was the winter i moved to frankfurt yeah. or the, the yeah. year i moved to frankfurt um so what did y'all think of each other so well I, i've got a little story on this because so i hadn't met heath yet um and i'll still give him shit about this today um so we're gonna meet up early to go ice climbing so you want to start early you know so it's nice and cold before stuff melts but i think heath had just gotten back from a trip uh probably ice climbing somewhere um so he was just like crashed out in his van or at home or something and i was supposed to meet him i don't know like 5 a.m something early so, yeah. so I, i'm there and i'm you know i'm I'm all nervous, excited, got my gear on, but I don't, I don't know where we're going. I'm like, you, I'm, I'm downtown. You, where am I going to go in downtown? Why were you, why were you ice nervous? Climb. Uh, just, just getting out to ice climb with gotcha. a bunch of dudes. I don't know. Gotcha. Um, so anyway, I'm there waiting for like an hour mm. and there's no one. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know what Heath looks like. I don't know anything about him. I just know that there's ice climbing around here and I'm meeting these dudes. So I finally get through to him at like 6 a.m. Oh, sorry, like slept in. We'll be right there. Uh, meet us over at this place. And it turned out fine and it was awesome. But my initial impression was like, oh, shit, what have I gotten myself into here? Um, <laughs> like, like, like we're going to be climbing ice off the side of Interstate 64 and just like hiding in the bushes from the cops or something. I don't know. Because like you're ready for anything. From what I know of you, you're like a very methodical, punctual like person. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, we are an odd couple. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, where did y'all climb that first day? I think we went what, to what the area? secret quarry that day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah. Was it the quarry that we went to? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, we're keeping it. You know, aside from it being on a movie tour around the world, we're keeping it on the download. <laughs> the actual location. Yeah, I remember that too. I remember either Heath Heath. Or, it was that winter and maybe it was probably a few weeks after that i got like you text Heath texted me and said hey do you want to go ice climbing it may have been the next it year was, it was the next year because next i year? filmed some of that yeah okay. yeah. yeah yeah that was the next season i think it was that day we went out though mike was like oh wait a minute there's something here like i can i think i can put this into something wait. palatable the photos i got that first time i came out uh i sold those to a couple of brands and oh, it that's was right. like yeah. the light went off like okay this is this is legit like you're something special here so that was when you had the idea to make the film which is not to make the film per se but just you know just get some media about it and i think after getting that taste um over the off season you know it just kind of simmered and grew and you know talking to heath you know i think uh, a trait that heath and i share is we're both entrepreneurial we're both kind of yeah. creative and like we want to create things we want to do things uh, so the more just sort of chatting about it and thinking about it and like what it could be and what other places can we go climb? Oh, well, cool. Like I can make like a little little film out of this. It would just be a fun little personal project. Yeah. I remember that. Cause like, you know, I didn't know that it would be what it is because I remember, so Heath had texted me this one day about, Hey, do you want to come ice climbing with us? And it was, I remember it was, it was freezing that day. And I was like, you know, it needs to be. <laughs> and you know Allison was off work and you got your baby right beside you it's all warm you're like do you want to just stay you know have some hot chocolate children of the Afghan and your PJs with your girl or do you want to go out with these guys in this cold van you know and go and I was like I, I didn't like start exploring Kentucky for nothing so I was like <laughs> okay I was like wait I don't even have equipment I don't even have boots all I have is some freaking like La Sportiva uh, uh, boulder mids. I forget what they... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you were like, I got some mountain boots. And I was like, cool. And then I was like, dude, those are not mountain boots. <laughs> I wore yeah. them in the mountain once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, this is all... I was like, I knew that... I, I didn't want I didn't want y'all... I didn't want y'all to leave me. 
So I was like, this is all I got. We'll we'll figure something out and get you up there. You got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you you pick you pick me up and we all went in that van. And then I was like, this is super weird. We're going to a trailer park. Yeah. Pull up that trailer park. And like, I'm a black man, you know, in this area. And I don't want to look. I look super sketchy. Back yeah. Rolling out I was of like a shitty white van. Like I was super worried. You know, I was like, oh, Lord. And then we're disappearing off in the woods. Like, well, people think we're going to be making drug cooking drugs out there. It's like, <laughs> we look like Breaking Bad or something. But no, I mean, when we, um, I remember just getting out there in the quarry and seeing it, it was like, I mean, it's sort of like when you're in the gorge, or like you see like Oxia Ridge or whatnot, when you get up to the ridge, I was like, wow, this is astounding. And um, it was shocking to see that. Like, But then I remember you were, you were filming, you were starting to film. Yeah. And I, at the time, I just didn't see it foresee it being what it is. And so can you expand more on, on that concept of? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just, it started as, let me try to film this because, uh, you know, no pun intended, but I knew some of this ice climbing was going to be gone tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I knew that cold winters weren't really a thing in Kentucky. So if it was cold and there were these beautiful ice formations and people climbing them, I should probably try to document it and film it and just get footage of the climbing. If I was going to make any sort of film, I had to have footage of the climbing, period. So there had been no interviews. There hadn't been like a fleshed out script or of any kind. It was just, let's film some of this climbing and maybe I'll get some comments here and there or like, you know, while we're getting our crampons on and we'll just riff a little bit about what we're doing today and how cold it is. And that's all fine, but it's just more about like, I need beauty shots, I need B-roll and just start kind of collecting that vault of footage so that I got something to work with. Um, and then I think it was the season of 2017, 2018, we had a really good winter. And I think for two weeks straight, I was either climbing ice or scouting for ice. Um, like I have folders for every day I went out and shot footage and it's two weeks straight in uh, mid-January. I was just going out getting content. And I think halfway through that, it was like, I'm really, like get, getting a lot of good stuff here. This th this is going to work out. So once that sort of climbing season wrapped up, it was like, okay, I got to start thinking about interviews and like tying all this stuff together and telling these stories. And out of that was born the interviews that I did with Heath and Tommy and Jeff and Clifton. Um, but then Heath found the gold mine in uh, this these internet posts from a couple of guys in the 70s and 80s, uh, Kevin Pogue and Ed Pearsall. Um, so I checked that out and they had photos and was that able, was, uh, was able super, to... super topo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I got in touch with them and they don't live in Kentucky where they live. Uh, Ed lives in Grand Junction, outside of Grand Junction, Colorado. And Kevin lives in Wawa, Washington. Wawa. Or, or I'm sorry. Walla Walla. Walla Walla was in Ontario. Okay. I just want to tell you, <laughs> I was like, was Kevin the, um, geologist. Geologist and and Ed was the uh, colorful character, the, the guy who got after it with no helmet. Okay, so there's a scene in the film, and Al, we were me and Alistair watching it because I've seen it twice now, and he's just like, I loved it. He just looked like he that was like the most pleasure, like <laughs> the most pleasured he's ever been in his life. Uh, do, so you do, do you know what I'm talking about? That scene. I, oh yeah, I, I know he's exactly like, what you're talking I about. Love it. I, I would do anything, <laughs> anything to be able to do it again. The way he said it, you could. You, you feel, you feel it. it. Yeah. You feel it. You know, you know I'm, and I can give you some behind the scenes context to that too. That interview with Ed actually got pretty emotional for a minute. Oh. Um, you know, so he was just, he was in and graduated from high school when he was doing a lot of that stuff. Um, 
And I mean, he was pushing it and going really hard and going after it. And I think his body is maybe now, you know, uh, having to deal with that. So he's got to do a lot of stretching every day. Um, he's got to really kind of take care of himself and watch himself. And like, he can't go do this stuff anymore. And like during our interview, like he, he definitely like teared up a little bit because he's being very honest about, you know, I, I would give anything to be able to, to do that stuff again. Cause it was just like the greatest joy of his life. It was very uh, special to him and he can't do it anymore. Yeah. It came across like that was one of my favorite scenes. Like, you know, the climbing is magnificent, but for someone to share, like you could just see like, this is something he loves. It was yeah. powerful to me. So, <laughs> so, so to just wrap up, uh, doing their interviews, so once I went out and did their interviews and they provided some historical context, that kind of took the documentary to like the next level yeah. and provided some more depth. So it wasn't just us running around in the woods ice climbing. It was us running around in the woods ice climbing, but with a bit more context and story to it. Yeah, I thought that the pace was great. You know, it's 30-minute film, right? Uh, so what we watched last night was about a 40-minute cut, 40 minute and cut. then the film festival cuts 20. 20. So like, I felt like the pace was really good. And then I, th I think you're right. Like when you... What's that? Uh, what's the rock climbing film about Yosemite? Valley that, Uprising. Valley yeah. Uprising. That's one of my favorite climbing films. I'm a super nerd historian, and I love the the transposing of historical images. And I felt like this was on that caliber, and I was like, "This is great that we were able <laughs> Thank to." Thank you. Yeah, Max's work on this film is just. I mean, it's world class. Yeah. All, like literally world class because it's traveling the world right now. Like that's still just, I can't wrap my head around that. You know, like, are they going to try to translate my accent into Mandarin? Like, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> yeah. So I had a buddy, like I post, <laughs> I posted about, go. they're going to have to do subtitles in English speaking languages, I think. Yeah. You're going to be huge in China. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll have, I'll, I'll just I'll, leave that. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, hey, we'll, we'll be sicker than this virus going around, son. Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> so yeah, I was, uh, I posted about going to the film festival last night and I guess it's that Lookout Festival it played in Chattanooga. Yeah. And, Lookout Wild Film Festival in Chattanooga was last weekend. Yeah, and a buddy um, from the paddling community went to it, and he said it was one of the better films. And I, I was like, that's amazing. It made me feel proud. I remember that year, the 2017, 2018, I, I got to tell y'all, I was super jealous. Because I remember y'all text me, you would text me about, hey, you want to come? Do you know about these areas on the river? Because I know the whole river. and I, But I wanted to come. But I, it was like, to Heave's point earlier, it was like, it's expensive, you know, and so like for me, and I, I think this is important because this is an outdoor recreation like podcast. It's like for me, it's like pacing myself for the activities that I'm involved in. And so over the past couple of years, I've been so I've had my money tied up into paddling, you know, buying like, you know, surf skis, which are a couple thousand dollars, pat carbon fiber paddles, going to race events and stuff like that, growing my organization. And I, I so desperately wanted to be out there because it's like. It's just a, ice climbing is not something that's synonymous with exploring Kentucky. It's a different thing. And and some of the, the areas you all went to in the film, it's areas that people don't really see like at all. Like, no, absolutely I mean, not. We, which is a tragedy. Like th those areas could be for more than just going in to scratch your ice tools. on. Yeah. There's beautiful areas and they're horribly inaccessible. Horribly. And I'm curious, like, could there ever be like a future of a trail system that runs the Palisades that have like Via Ferrata in them. You know be, what I mean? Like amazing. how rad would that be? Like when you get cliffed out, you just like run across the Via Ferrata and then you're on the riverbank again. You know? See, like it, it, it's like, as y'all said in the film, it's so nuanced. And I think I, 
I was like worried too. Whenever y'all are filming, I was worried. I was like, will they get shot? Because like, you know, I worked in the H Conservancy out of college and just been around and I've had guns pulled on me. Same. I've had people like, what are you doing here? I've get, I've got, I got bit by a dog, like just riding a bicycle um, on the country. What do you, oh, that's what you get. You, you know, on my, you're on my road. I'm like, this is the county road. So like, and then also there's like a, for me, I was like worried from the, I'm a little, little grant, like a little mamma. But I was like worried about y'all because the Palisades is very crumbly limestone. Yeah. And that yeah. was the thing that I was like really. And that's the thing that I was really interested in. How was that for y'all in that experience? That, that was one of the probably the sketchiest days that we went out to do for sure. Definitely. Like genuinely probably one of the biggest adventures I think I've ever had in Kentucky because... There were spots, the Palisades were so steep, and, and access is an issue, which we talk about in the film. You know, there's only a few spots, so we access the Palisades via public land. But then what that meant was is we were dropping into that zone via very, very steep terrain. Well, we had to repel. Like terrain you that if hike. you were to just, like, trip, you were going to fall like you were going to fall down the side of a mountain, you know. So we ended up having to rope up for a bunch of stuff and repel certain sections of hillside. Like, not exactly even repelling cliff. Like, the hillside's so steep, we were having to repel it. Um, it is a, it, you know, it's, a, it's an art form that I like to refer to as Appalachianeering, um, which is kind of like, uh, you know, which I... Art Rocket Ice in Climbing Magazine. You heard it here first. Yeah, no, well, I, we, Zach Lashui. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to credit the man <laughs> I heard it from. But uh, I've really adopted that, like that term, Appalachianeering, you know, and it's just like... But then we got, we did this crazy approach. We got to the ice. We saw that there was a pitch of climbing that could be done. So we did it. And then we're on this other ledge where there's other, there were many ice climbs that could have gone down. They literally fell while we were there. It was catching uh, sun. We were there in the evening. Yeah. And it was getting yeah. all this sun. So all this stuff was just falling down around us. I mean, us. death blocks. Like not like, ha, 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 some ice is falling, which we, we, make, we, we make a lot of, some stuff falls. Sometimes it would scare the shit out of other people. And we're just like, eh, too far away to care. This was genuinely terrifying. And then we got into the spot where the, it was getting dark on us. And we were for sure going to get caught out in the dark, trying to get back through what we just went through. So we did a pitch of climbing. There was like a 10 foot pillar of ice. And then there was 20 feet of crumbly loose limestone that I had to climb on lead with dry tooling methods and we were putting pitons in in limestone just to get out of there you know yeah and then hike across someone's farm yeah we had to sneak out cover of darkness yeah like hiding Um, in the tree line kind of thing that's what i was curious on um, like where y'all accessed um so for folks listening the kentucky river palisades it's a hundred mile canyon canyon system on the kentucky river it starting starts near fort boonesboro state park and then it relatively ends near or just before frankfurt yeah um and it's it's really it's beautiful at one point people were trying to make it into a national park kentucky river palisades national park but um it's and the cliffs are about 80 to 100 foot um more than more more. yeah i would say in some spots there's like 300 300 feet of rock absolutely broken into sections right like 80 80 to 100 foot sections but there's stacked yeah so like, it's a it's a really beautiful um, geological like area and it's just sketchy. Like I've been paddling on the river, hiking, and you hear like rocks crashing into the river and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, I was just props to y'all. And like again, like um, I think it's one of the this is one of the coolest adventures I've heard of 
in Kentucky in like in in ages. It's this is an adventure of of a generation. <laughs> yeah, I I mean I hope that we get to do some more of it and kind of touching on uh, walking across people's property and you know you said you have some like guns pulled on you and stuff like that. Trying to be sensitive to private property is you know certainly something we think about. We try not to trespass. And I will say that I've gone and on days where I'm out scouting and I want to access this cliff line, but I don't want to do a five mile bushwhack or a 10 mile paddle in zero degrees. I've gone and knocked on doors several times. Um, sometimes folks aren't home, but anytime I've actually spoken to someone who's been in their house and I told them who I was and what I was trying to do, they've been the most welcoming and the most kind. I've never been turned away. They've been like, oh yeah, man, here's my phone number. You can park your truck right there if you want. And oh yeah, that creek goes back there. And oh, there's a waterfall over there. And they just tell me about everything. And like, they're excited and they think it's cool that someone's out doing that stuff. I mean, they know that the landscape is interesting. They know that there's interesting features back there. And even though it's their private property, I haven't been turned away by anybody yet, as long as I've gone and asked and been polite about it. Um, yeah. So I've, I've, you know, potentially opened up access. You know, if we want to go back to that zone, I talk to the people who own that farm and they would just let us park it there. The ones just, that we walked yep. out, yep. they're not, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, I went and talked talk to them. That's um, what, um, that's been my experience with it, you know, in Kentucky. And like now I'm at the point like people know like my face because explore Kentucky and whatnot. Yeah. But in the early days, it was like hard. And that's what I did. That's what a lot of people don't, don't know. I did exactly what Mike did. I literally would go to people, go to pull up in a community, say like, hey, I'm exploring Kentucky, you know, promoting outdoor recreation. Where is a cool place to go? And people would be like, hey, hop in my truck. Like I remember <laughs> I remember I remember posting on Instagram. I'm in Hazard, Kentucky. And these two brothers, the Wootens. They were like, hey, meet us at the WYMT. And they pulled up in WYMT, hop in the truck. And I'm like, okay. So hop in the truck and, and they showed me like their, their farm. I had dinner with their family and we went on this really cool ATV adventures and stuff like that. And I will say people in Kentucky are fierce about their, their property rights. But if you come to people presentable, they'll, they'll usually let you in and stuff like that. Yeah, that's been my experience for sure. So what was one of the best climbs that y'all did for the film or one of the, what, what's y'all's favorite climb? I, I know what his is going to be. Oh yeah. And I know what mine's going to be for the film or in the history of Kentucky ass climbing. Uh, I guess in the, I probably guess both. Yeah. I know what yours is. Why no syndrome. I mean, that was pretty rad. <laughs> yeah. That, that where's, where's that at? That was the one in in that iced up chimney like the corner thing that was kind of a mixed climb okay so it's like a combination of rock climbing and ice climbing is it uh back there that little that waterfall no that falls in the back this is shell or shawnee shelter or something like that i think is yeah. the crag yeah no i honestly i think my favorite climb is the frigid resonator really like, okay. yeah man that All thing's right. classic so where, good. Where's that? It's at the quarry. The quarry. Yeah. But is it, is it the big, long, stout line? No, that's... Yeah, they're both... I mean, everything down there is pretty big and stout. So, I mean, it's just like a beautiful, pretty vertical face of ice. It's almost 100 feet long. It's just perfect. Like, it's just, it's a great ice climb. It's got a little spicy top out that, you you know, if you blew it, it'd be bad news bears. Um, and it was just, uh, I feel like it was one of the proudest 
leads that we did in the beginning of everything, like pulling the rope on that thing and making the decision to lead it was like, that was pretty big. I think it was one of the steeper, harder climbs that had been led at the time, you know. Is it the one that, that the photo went viral, the Rab one, where you're wearing the blue? Over uh, the open water? It, it's, no. It's, it's next to that So one. that would might yeah. be Mike's favorite route. That photo, I mean. No? Th that photo did some numbers, though. Like, I yeah. remember when that was released. Yeah. It was. It went around the I mean, world. that was sort of confirmation that. It's not just us who thinks this is special. Like other people are digging this too. Yeah, like, yeah. Like th this content could go somewhere. So where? What was your favorite? Um, I think I think my favorite would have to be. Uh, oh my! Part of my headphone just went out because I was playing with this cord. Um, I can still hear it right here. Uh, one of my favorites would have to be I think Darkness Falls, um, which is a waterfall that doesn't have a name. I named it that as an ice climb um, during that seventeen eighteen cold spell. Uh, Jeff Heath and I were running around the gorge climbing. I don't know if that was the same day we went and did Coppera's. It was. It was? Yeah. Um, so we had climbed all that morning. We did Bell's Falls. We did Coppera's Falls. And I think Jeff and I just wanted to climb a little bit more. And Heath had to split. He had a he had a show to do or something like that. He's he's a busy man. Um, so he had to split. And Jeff and I were like, oh, let's, let's go climb a little bit more. And Jeff thought he knew of a spot, just like something small that we could just go scratch our tools into for a minute. And we drove over there, and as we're driving down the road, um, we're out near uh, Dry Fork, uh, Dry Fork or Myers Fork, one of the two, and this road winds along the holler, and I looked out left, and I just saw this white streak in the woods. You know, you can see through the woods, it's wintertime, and I, I just started shitting bricks. I, like, started freaking out, I'm in my truck, and then Jeff pulls no off depends. to the side, and there's like this little 10-foot drip on the side, and I was like, Jeff, did you see that thing back there? Is that what you're talking about? He's like, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, dude, grab your shit. Like we're, we're not doing this drip. Like you're you know, like, come, this is come the down into this the holler better. with me. And we go down in there and it's, it was the biggest freestanding ice climb I've done in Kentucky. Wow. It was dude, that thing looks it, phenomenal. And it sounded really scary, dude. <laughs> like it sounded like when they were swinging tools in it from the video, it just a boom, 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 boom. <laughs> we were a little nervous. We were, so we were losing light. And it was led in the dark. So that's why we called it Darkness Falls. Um, you know, we did a top rope burn on it to just kind of assess stability and make sure that, you know, it was going to be safe for us to do a proper lead go. It wasn't going to come crashing down on us. Felt good on the top rope burn. So we went and we went just and did it. Just going to send it. Yeah. But yeah, so we we finished, we did that one with uh, one, one headlamp between the two of us. And uh, yeah, it was just a sort of great way to close out that week of climbing. So what type of um, fitness do you need to be in shape? I mean, what type of fitness do you need to be in for ice climbing? You need to be able to stand on your tiptoes for a long time. Because you're, yeah. you're, you're like on the front points of your crampons like pretty hard. Yeah. And I would say you need to be more like mentally strong to just be a little dialed to be comfortable, right? Because if you... If you're not comfortable, if you're nervous, if you're getting scared, you're going to overgrip your tools and you're going to pump out and your hand's going to get cold because no blood's going into them. Um, and that's not a good time. Yeah. I, I would say ice climbing is, is also mostly about technique and form. I mean, like rock climbing is too, to a certain extent, you know, you watch somebody who moves well over rock, they use less energy. And, and with ice climbing, if you can learn the movement, and the rhythm of swinging the tools and stepping up onto your crampons and stuff like that, like it takes a lot of the physical fatigue out of it. And I would say 
moderately fit can ice climb? You know, I, you know, anybody that can go out and do any kind of activity, like, can you go to a climbing gym for a day and make it up a moderate route? Then you can probably manage ice climbing. I mean, I teach a lot of clinics, um, the Michigan ice fest, which is happening in February. If you live in this area and you want to go try ice climbing for the first time in the wild, like the Michigan ice fest is awesome. You can find those dates uh, and all the information online. Just Google Michigan ice fest. Shameless plug. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I got nothing to do with it this year, uh, but usually I go up there every year and teach clinics. Mike goes up, he shoots video and shoots uh, photography for the ice fest. We both do that out of the kindness of our hearts. We're not really, um, well, I don't know. Maybe Mike's turned it into a professional endeavor now. He's shaking his head. Um, I, no, you, gotta, I, you know, you gotta, you gotta do it, right? It's, bills, it's a long trip. Stacks. He puts a lot of time into it, but you know, we see people though. I like, I teach intermediate class. I teach introduction to leading ice. I teach introduction or first time ice climbing. Like through the course of the week, we see all kinds of people and we see all body types, all different people coming in and successfully getting to the top of climbs by the end of a day of instruction. So I think almost anybody can do it, but to think to do, you it, know, do it at a level that y'all are doing it. It's, it's a little different program. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, just from hiking and also like just from the hiking alone, just seeing these hikes that y'all and having experience of going in these off trail trail spots, it's some fitness <laughs> involved with that. Sure. Yeah. You got to want it. Yeah. You got to be able to hike out there a bit for sure. Um, when is that? So I think I'm going to try to go to that festival. I'm, I'm really, um, it's usually around, uh, Valentine's day. So it's like February yeah, it's, 13th through the, I'll try to put a link something. in. Uh, I think it's like the second or third. I got it in my phone right here. Cause I'm I'll going, put a link in it, uh, after, after the end of the show. But yeah, I think I'm going to try to go. I've, At 14th. I, I've kind of figured out like, cause I have a, I guess a busy schedule, but I figured out how to like, uh, balance my time. And I really want to invest my time back into climbing because there's no disrespect to my paddling folk paddling it's just a lot and especially in racing it's mostly older folk it's like people yeah. that are 40s or up they've already blown out their knees man their so knees. they ain't yeah. gotta do and, something and I, whereas i body. love it but like yeah. there's a you know a big thing that is conveyed through the through the film is like the social aspect of climbing and that's something that i miss is like paddling is very solitary especially training like i go out there 10 20 miles by myself have have you know my um, speaker listening to music but there's just a social aspect and that's what i think i appreciated through the film that brotherhood like there was a sense of camaraderie and fun and it i don't know it's just it wasn't super it was serious but y'all are having fun and um mike how did you capture that that press record press record is <laughs> no it was very genuine you know we we staged very little um I mean, we're out there to climb and have fun, and I want to climb too, even though I'm trying to film um, uh, film what's happening and, and, and make this film out of it. Uh, so, yeah, we weren't staging things like a traditional movie would, so I, I just had to capture what was going on. So what you see is is what was actually happening, like people just having a good time or trying hard. And How did you – you said you didn't – I mean, I know – but how did you plan some of your shots? Like there's that scene you did a time lapse when they were going to the cave. Did you have that already in your mind that I'm going to shoot a time lapse or did this something you said on the fly that this would be cool? Uh, time lapse going into a cave. Yeah. There's one, when, when y'all are, uh, I think that's, it looks like when we're going through the train tunnel, you oh, might've done. Is that yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so you, that's probably one of the only scenes that was actually like recreated just for the film. So I actually went back there uh, on a scouting day 
with uh, my buddy Eric and just he and I just kind of walked through the scene a little bit just so I could get some pickup shots because the day that we went in there to actually climb I mean we're we're moving like we don't have time to stop and set up shots but being in there like this is amazing I have to come back and film some more of this yeah I thought Um, that was an important scene it reminded me like I lived in Germany as a kid and lived near a place called Eder Oberstein and it was a where crystal caverns are so it reminded me of like a crystal cavern of the the icicles and stuff like that so I thought it was a really cool cool scene there's so many scenes of this film that I love I love the palisades with the drone flying up above and there's snow and stuff like that you you did a good job with um I don't know making something that's cinematic I mean that's pleasing visually yeah I tried thanks yeah I think people really thought when this was coming out that it was going to be kind of just this homegrown hokey little production and it turns out Mike Wilkinson is a stud and he just absolutely brought it in a way that was, you know, if he would have had, you know, Jimmy Chin's cameras and Jimmy Chin's production, like it would have looked like a camp Four production film all the way through, you know, if he could have spent, what is it? A red, is that what they call it? Like, yeah. yeah like if he could have had sure. a, a billion dollars for his cameras and the production that these guys that are cutting out films for the North face, like if he'd have had that equipment, this thing would have looked like anything that, as I mean, it would have been like the well, top. Like, I don't know what the right words are, but, and even at that with what Mike does have, it still looks like the shit, you know? Yeah, and, and also I think if he would have had that, it changes the character of the film because like with those, that type of camera crew comes like a lot of shoot like, lists and okay, we need to do this yeah. and now we need to do that. Absolutely. It, it yeah. does cha- change the dynamic. Totally. There was a couple days uh, we were really fortunate to have Brian Miller uh, come up from North Carolina and he shot some footage. So we were able to get, you know, secondary angles on climbs, which I'm the only one who's filming. So there's no way that I can do that. So yeah. it was, it was really and awesome Nolan. to have extra coverage. Yeah. Nolan came in, came and shot some stuff when we did copperas. So, you know, if we had been able to have that for every single scene and every time we went out, there would have just been that much more coverage, would have been that much better. So a lot of times, you know, on the drive in or even on the hike and I'm trying to think, well, OK, guys, can we just stop for two seconds so I can get this shot real quick and just planning on the fly? And it's very much like a run and gun were they, style. Were they were you all annoyed <laughs> with Mike? Sometimes when I'm like shooting with friends, just stuff like they're like, oh, Jerry, like especially Allison. I'm, I'm like, hey, can you stop there? And she's like, I just no, wanna- <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, tied in with my work, working in the industry and stuff like that. I've done a couple things for other stuff. Uh, man, I could use better words there, but um, you're, we you're uh, used to it. Yeah. I mean, I'm used to being given a little bit of direction, but at the same time, you know, there's not a whole lot of direct in me and Jeff Riss. You just got to hit the button and hurry up. Yeah. You, know? you can't miss it. You get one chance. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, how many film festivals have have gone tomorrow been accepted to? Nine. Nine. Can Nine you, film festivals and two uh, soon to be three world tours. Can you rattle them off really fast? I'll see what I can do. Uh, it's going to be like uh, Banff, Sh- uh, Shaft, which is in in England, uh, Vancouver International, Wasatch Mountain, uh, Lookout Wild, Auburn Film Festival. There's one in Colorado. Uh, Flagstaff, uh, Boulder International Film Festival, uh, and there's one that I'm forgetting. Wild and Scenic. Wild and Scenic, that's it. Yeah. So when's the next time someone can see it? Banff 
tours the south in March. Yeah, you gotta so, but it's not guaranteed that it will show on every Bamp stop. The people who curate those shows would have to pick it, which you would like think, they're not gonna. Oh no, yeah, you, you would think that they would for a for a southeastern film if they're in the region. They're they're gonna want to show that. Um, it's just not a guarantee. It's gonna show up in Michigan during the Michigan Ice Climbing Festival. Um, that's the only other private screening that we got set up. Um, but then any of the film festivals that it's got into that have not actually happened yet, it'll show at those. So it's going to show out of Wasatch, just out in Utah. It's sounding like we're going to get into the Five Point Film Festival, which is a venture film festival in Colorado. Whoa. That's, that's not, not guaranteed yet. It showed as a part of their Aspen sort of hype show mm-hmm. um, that just happened. And what's that process like of submitting? Is it like hard? Is it... You know, what's the process like? So they've tried to make it as easy as possible. So like there's a website that just collects all the festivals for you. So I just have to upload materials once and then apply to each fest when the time comes around. But each fest is kind of unique and they kind of all have their own different requirements. So it's really easy to submit. You just fill out a couple online forms and send in your film and send in your check. You know, you got to pay. But if you get in, that's when the work starts because then they... They need promotional materials. They need photos. They need different formats of your film. They want links to trailers and your websites. And yeah, so I'm I'm constantly dealing with that. Is it super competitive? Absolutely. So for like Banff, I think some like 500 films got submitted to the Banff Film Festival. Uh, about 100 of them got in for the fest, and then from that, 25 got on the world tour. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's just I mean that's awesome for like our state for Kentucky to be on a platform like that. Absolutely. Um, so the Wild and Scenic Film Festival, it's an environmental film festival. It's running for years. The main one's out in California, I believe. And yep. and then it tours around the country. So for folks who are listening in Kentucky, usually a few different organizations host the film festival. So at Kentucky Waterways Alliance, they usually host. Do they do that here in Frankfurt festival. at the Grand? No, they've been doing it. They usually do it in, in Louisville because okay. uh, KWA is based in Louisville, but they do it at, uh, they did it, they're done at the Parklands and they do it at this place called the Clifton Center. So I'm going to like lean on Ward Wilson, the executive director, say, Ward, you need to pick this for, for a while, for, for the, for the festival showing. And then in Elizabethtown, there's an organization, their trail organization, I forget the name. It's like, it's not Greenpeace or something like that. <laughs> they do, they, they host it. So there's probably like four or five nonprofits around the state that do them. So Mike, y'all should be talking to them. they well, that's what, I mean, you got my wheels turning. Mike was talking about entrepreneurial spirit and just ideas and things like that. Like, I would definitely put my time in. I'm throwing it out there to the world. If uh, anybody ever wanted to collaborate and try to do an adventure film festival here in Frankfurt at the Grand, I would, my my time services and connections are all out there for that. So, so that, <laughs> that's been one of my ideas. So, like, a lot of my ideas for Explore Kentucky I wrote down when I was in college, and that's one of one of my ideas is like an adventure film festival for Kentucky and then, but somehow giving a scholarship to folks to go to f- people to create their own film. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's cool. I would love to work with y'all on that and, 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 uh, yeah. and stuff. Have you gone to, you know, film festivals in the region and like check that stuff out? Cause it's, I had never been to many of these festivals before. I'd only been to like one or two film fests, but since doing the gone tomorrow thing and checking more of these out, like it's been eye opening to me to see how these different festivals do things and the kind of films that they curate. And some shows are exciting and they got lots going on. And then other ones, it's just like you go in and watch 10 films for a few hours and then you go back to your hotel room and there's nothing else going on. There's no engagement. 
Um, so it's just been really interesting to see how different people do things. Yeah, I've been to quite a few, um, you know, like my background, um, academically, environmental science and then communication. And so in college, I took like documentary filmmaking, stuff like that. So I went to some film festivals and stuff then. And I've been to some outdoor film festivals. And then I had a little how okay. I got linked up with Heath is I did like a little rock climbing film uh, for Kentucky Tourism. It was like a little four minute film. Just they wanted, you know, diverse perspective rock climbing in the state. And then um, Jim and Tina, uh, Kentucky Heartwood, they hosted a wild and scenic, scenic film festival in Moorhead. And then they picked my little short to be a, as, as a part of that. And then uh, I'm telling a story a little bit. And sorry, I'm, I'm trying to wrap up y'all. But um, you're good. We got nowhere to be. <laughs> but um, I uh, so my film show at that film festival, and then I met like some really good friends, Matt Melinda Walker, and then I met the Powell County Librarian, and she saw it, and she was like, "Hey, she's like, we have a summer reading program. Can you take my kids like rock climbing or hiking in the gorge?" And me being younger at the time, I was like, "Oh yeah, yes, ma'am. I think yeah, I can do it." But then I realized, oh snap liability taking a bunch of kids into the gorge and all that stuff like that so then I, we start spinning gears and i came with the idea for in my backyard red river gorge and um and it was a whole like festival rock climbing wall and booths and stuff like that and then i hit up heath because i knew about him and i wanted someone that was from the region to inspire the kids and um so we went to like the live we went to like the high school and we spoke to the kids. We brought like rock climbing gear. It was really cool. And here's a funny thing, Heath. I was actually, uh, earlier this week, I was down uh, Stanton and then I hiked Pilot Knob. I don't know if y'all have been to Pilot Knob State Nature Preserve. It's supposedly where Daniel Boone first looked into the Brewgrass region. It's a, so I hiked to Pilot Knob and I got to this, the spot, the lookout spot at the top. And there was a kid there named Skyler. And, um, he remembered us. Oh, he, wow. Yeah, he's since graduated high school and he hikes a lot and stuff like that. And rock climbing, or he's got, he likes rock climbing and hiking and stuff like that. And he was like, oh, snap. He was like, Jerry James. Like, I remember you from when you're that dude, that, that dude Heath came to my high school and he had all that rock climbing and ice gear. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I was like, it was, I was like, this is great. It's like showing that, like making a difference and stuff like that, but it was, it was dope. And we took a picture and stuff, but, um, but anyways, yeah. So the power of film, the power of a uh, film is, 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 is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we definitely, I think we definitely do need a Kentucky adventure film festival. Cause a lot of, I mean, a lot of people are down in our state when you see a, a Kentucky in the national media. And that's why I've been so excited about gone tomorrow is cause when you think about, you see Kentucky in the national media, it's about poverty um pills pills environmental degradation mitch mcconnell mitch mcconnell you know all kinds of different things and so any positive story anything great about kentucky i'm a champion of and i, I appreciate what y'all are doing and, cool um, yeah i'm i'm glad that it i was a little nervous how because you know we're colorful people and we're just like oh man are we going to give kentucky a bad name <laughs> like no, and it turns out there's the exact opposite it's, yeah. like it's the yeah. exact opposite and we're, we're we're really excited about that part so what what's next for y'all? Like what's next? Um, I know Heath, you're living in Chatty Chattanooga, yep. still still Appalachia though. <laughs> yeah, kind of, you know. But yeah, it's cool down there. Um, we, you know, my wife and I were living here, and uh, I lived here for 16 years. My daughter, you know, grew up here, and she graduated from Frankfort High. Um, 
and she wanted to leave Frankfurt and I wanted to leave Frankfurt. So we sold our house and moved into a van and traveled around and, and did that thing for a little while and spent the winter in Chattanooga. And, you know, we know a lot of folks there and the community down there is super strong and, uh, just kind of got in the right spot, right situation. And next thing you know, where that's, that's the homestead now. And, uh, miss Kentucky, you know, every other day. And, but Chattanooga is also, it's kind of like Lexington and Asheville mixed together, you know? Um, and, uh, it's, it's a really cool place to be and I'm excited um, and then, uh, for what's next, we're, we're throwing around some ideas and, uh, w- yeah, one of which we may, we may pitch by you a little bit. It might be a little crazy, but, um, we're, we're throwing some ideas around. We want to do another project for sure, because it's just so much fun. It's so much fun to see it all come together. It's fun to work together. It's fun to, you know, Mike and I will hit each other up every so often, a phone call at 10 in the morning, having coffee and working, you know, it's like, Hey man, I started thinking about this idea. Let's do this. You know, and we're just like, you know, going back and forth and, and those creative juices really keep us, keep me really happy anyway. You know, like as much as I like to climb, I love to create and, I think I think we got we're trying to figure out how though it, to do another project that isn't just what you've seen right like yeah. we looked at with the Kentucky Ice thing because it is so unique in its own story just even that Kentucky Ice climbing that yeah. is unique um, and every other iteration of climbing film has been done like we may have found the only unless it's like Alabama Ice like that's the only other way that we can like change the game up at all. You know, and it's uh, so but we want to do something, but we don't want to bring content out there that's just played out. You know, we don't want to bring you another just kind of, oh, that was neat climbing film. So yeah, I, I to that point. Yeah, I mean, I think I watch a lot of outdoor films, climbing films, and it's just the genre is like inundated with the same themes and stuff same like that. story same story will he send the route yeah the, the will she send the route professional climbers go somewhere and climb the hard hard and you know they yell and scream on their way up and fall at first and then they <laughs> do it do, do, do something again and screams. then they finally send it and like okay i've seen this film a hundred times like give me something else that's what i mean not to like not to stoke all's ego i'll put that this film up there one of my favorite climbing films cool and i mean i think like i love like free solo um yosemite uprising yeah the valley uprising Va- oh, yeah, sorry sorry great. valley uprising um have you seen safety third yet Mm-mm. yeah you'd like you gotta one. watch safety third it's real good i'll be honest like i've watched a lot of but i, I just forget the names because yeah. like they're the same subject matters but the ones that come across to me are where it's presentable like you know um valley uprising i mean it's historic it's history free solo it's great at first i was like uh. but then like i as i took some time to absorb the movie or like think about it afterwards. I was like, this is an amazing film because it's not, you're seeing um, Alex Honnold transition as a man from this, like kind of just journeyman going around and he's coming into his own as, um, as an adult, you know, with a relationship, a house and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a, it's a coming of the age type story. Um, so anyways, I like, I like films like that. Um, and then y'all's film is just, it's, it's up there. It's a top three. Um, but ideas, I have an idea for y'all, and this has been an idea that I've been thinking about for, for a couple of years. I watch a lot of kayaking films. Kayaking films, they're like, um, what's the word, really uh, esoteric. And paddling, it's so hard to make it look sexy. It just depends. Like, uh, it just depends. But I've been really thinking about, I like the whole, and I told Heath this before, I like the whole aspect of like hiking, climbing, paddling as an adventure. And like sport climbing for me, 
it's cool, but it's just going up and going up the cliff, coming back down. So here's my idea. I've been wanting to do something like a, a paddling and climbing film hmm. where you, oh, <laughs> this is like, so it's where you kind of, I've been well, on Google Earth. I've been keeping a map for a couple of years of climbs. I've been looking on like a mountain project for climbs that are adjacent to water. So like there's one in like Big South Fork on the Big South Fork coming the river. There's a climb off that. And then there's a few others. Um, you the, don't oh, say. The, you oh, don't say. The, the, <laughs> hadn't thought of that one yet. The Obed. Oh, okay. so y'all have already thought of it. This is kind of where we're, yeah, this is what we're looking at right now is a good amalgamation of water, like really fast moving, scary water yeah. and really interesting hard climbing. And that's where like, that's what I want to, <laughs> that's what I've been thinking about. And I actually started talking to my friend Brady Taylor like that. He's a guy in um, Harlan, Harlan, Kentucky. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I've met that oh, guy. Yeah, Brady? Yeah. yeah. So he's like super into like white water and climbing. Like he's climbed like Rebel Rock and he climbs in Harlan County. I don't yeah. know if y'all have climbed in Harlan, no. Harlan County. has some pretty good, decent rock up there. But that's a that's an idea. I, so if y'all are thinking about it, I'd love to be involved somehow. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, uh yeah, we got a few things cooking. Yeah, uh, we're just going to have to see though because we 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 were just talking about this on the way. Like, we don't want to do, you know, there's just no point in making a climbing film for the sake of making a climbing film, you know. But for me, my only part in it is I just want to use this as a catalyst to get to do, do something cool. Yeah, you know. And if I can get some other people to support the effort, like that's just kind of my <laughs> selfish endeavor there, you know. Yeah, yeah it would be fun to just go do. Um, to seriously take it on as like a film project. Um, you know, I mean, that's where we just got to kind of sit down and iron out like, okay, well, what does that actually look like? What's the actual story here? Do we have any investors? Do we have any funds behind this sponsors so that, you know, we can hire some crew and we can be safe about it and we can get a couple boats and a couple camera guys and all that stuff. Or is it just going to be, me riding shotgun with a camera in my hand. See, like I don't, <laughs> which my, worked out fine enough for Kentucky Ice. My thought was like, because there's some, there's some really cool uh, streams, and like I've been doing like a like a lot of through paddling, like you know whole river systems and stuff. Like you know, like I said, 255 miles, I've paddled 80 miles or so, and I was just trying to think of a way to kind of because I want to grow paddle sports, and like paddle sports is like I said earlier, it's really old. The age demographic is really old, but I feel like if if there's a way to make it look sexier, have an adventure aspect to it, it could inspire more people to take to the river and stuff like that. Absolutely. So that's my concept for it. And that's why I kind of, like I said, I've been training and stuff like that. And and me and Brady have been talking about doing this, this climb um, off the big South Fork as a test run, but I'd love, I know y'all are like the big wigs and stuff like that, but dude, I'd not want, even whatever, a little bit whatever. of a big but, wig. Yeah, I'm, I'm like a toupee dog. There's no, but like, but like, there's some really, there's some really cool stuff. Like, you know, like Hong Kong. Um, I've seen some climbs there off the ocean and stuff like that. So imagine yeah. like you're in your sea kayak and then you paddle yeah. like 30 miles, you know, across the ocean and and then you hit the cliff. I mean, yeah, I think our concept's going to kind of be like looking for the mix of whitewater. And climbing in a place that you could probably really only get to those climbs by via boat. Like that's kind of like the only way. But to me, I more than our climbing aspect of it, I want to get some knucklehead ass boaters in this mix, you know. And oh, like and, Justin, like Justin Thompson. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> whoever, but like some guys that are kind of hard charging and exciting, and 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 also can bring some personality, right? Because yeah. it's about telling the story of It'll Appalachian be about the adventurers. People, yeah. You know, it's not about like who's climbing the raddest shit and who's doing the raddest thing. It's about like 
finding these colorful people from Appalachia who are amazing characters and sharing that with other people, you know, to flip that script that we're not all just a bunch of hillbillies and we don't know what's going on, you know, and, you know, everybody's got that opinion. They've already moved out West and they can stay, you know? And, and I think at the, you know, the summation of that, you know, we go out and have this rad adventure on, on the river and do some climbing, but then let's talk about why we're doing this, why we're here and these beautiful places, these scenic places that we're in and like, okay, why aren't these more accessible? You know, people need to get out here and go find this adventure and go do these things. I think the Southeast is bring it back to that for sure. I think the Southeast is over. I mean, underrated (laughs) severely. I I mean, everyone's like, Oh, we want to move out West. I think the Southeast is dope. I like, I had a chance to out of college. I had applied to be a snow reporter uh, like a, at a Vero resort because I was like, oh, I just want to do that. But then I was like, realized I started exploring. Kentucky. I was like, no, like here, here is like the new West. Yeah. You know? So, um, got it. We got what's next for y'all. I want to be involved somehow. <laughs> if people want to connect with y'all, how can they do it? I know Heath, you're Facebook lists. Yeah. And I no <laughs> longer have Instagram on my phone. I have no social. I'm like trying to go. I would have a flip phone if my wife would let me, but people can call you. There's the, there's an app on your mobile device. Oh yeah. Yeah. Called the phone app. Yeah. And and it's, it's crazy. You can dial like 10. I will not give my phone number now. Um, you know what? Um, if you wanted to shoot me an email, if you had some questions, uh, Heath, H E A T H at ground up sales.net. Um, you can get me there. Email works fine. Um, usually if you want the, our community is really small. So where there's like, it's like the, like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I'm pretty sure you probably get my phone number in about three attempts. So, so it's, um, and then ground up is your, uh, yep. sales. Yeah. Ground up is a Southeast marketing and sales agency. We work with, uh, several brands in the outdoor sector. Which ones? Uh, shout out we few. work with Rab. We work with Petzl. We work with Scarpa. We work with Xped, we work with Jolbo, we work with Nick Wax, we work with Low Alpine. Um, we, we have a lot of brands under our umbrella and, and our goal is to use those brands and their corporate power to support local efforts in here in, in our region. Um, like one thing we did real quick, I know we're trying to wrap up, was uh, we helped create the legacy program for the Southeast Climbers Coalition. And essentially what I did was, is I solicited the brands that I work with to provide uh, you know, gifts for people who want to donate at a higher level to the SCC and become a legacy member. You know, it's like a one-time membership at a, at a higher rate, but you get almost your money back in product from these awesome brands. And since we started that program, we've raised 50 grand for the SCC, like $50,000. I mean, like that's, you know, most people that don't know, if you're listening to outside of Kentucky, like in the Southeast, we buy our crags. Like our crags are not given to us. We don't have BLM. Like our community comes together, coalitions raise money, and we buy our crags. Um, that's some, that's some know, stacks. That's know? some stacks, you know? <laughs> and, and that's, you know, obviously there's places you can climb, like the Daniel Boone and stuff like that, where it's not privately owned. But if you look at the bulk of Southeast climbing, it's, it's almost all owned, all purchased, or managed by climbing coalitions. And so our ability to leverage those relationships with brands, bring that into the coalition, like that's what we want to do, and that's what we want to be as an agency. Awesome. Then, Mike, what's your – I know that you're on the, on the internets. What's yeah, your? you can uh, – so if you want to learn more about the Gone Tomorrow Kentucky Ice Climbing film, find out where future screenings are, watch the trailer, see some uh, interesting pictures – uh, it's kyicefilm.com. Um, 
if someone wants to hire you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just you can find me on Instagram, uh, Wilkinson Visual, or just the website is wilkinsonvisual.com. All the contact info's up there. What's all and your specialties that you can all the specialties. Uh, so lots. So I'm hired by like a lot of agencies so to go do uh, <laughs> do like a lot of travel and tourism content uh, for like photography and filmmaking. So I get hired to go do day shoots. Um, you know, running around horse farms, flying drones, uh, filming 4K video. I mean, I do like the complete production services from like the script writing to editing on all that. But I'm, a lot of the work that I'm finding here tends to just be like getting hired to go film stuff for the day. Um, yeah. Before we wrap up, I did want to, we didn't talk about this, um, so just wanted to throw in there real quick. So last night, we had Gone Tomorrow show at the Kentucky Theater in downtown Lexington, and uh, we found out the numbers at the end of the night that we had about 280-some people there uh, in that theater, which was pretty amazing to come and check out the film. Uh, and the whole event itself uh, actually went, uh, went off really well, and that's really thanks in part to my partner, Jen, uh, who just put in a ton of work and flyered up the town and reached out to community members and got nonprofits to show up, um, worked with JNH, uh, helped to get them in there and did a lot of the coordinating uh, between like some of the JNH and RAB stuff and getting all that together. I'm a filmmaker, not a promoter. I hate that stuff. Uh, so Jen did a bunch of that. So I just need to give her a quick shout out for doing. Yeah, that I apologize. I had it in my notes to to mention about Jen because she's been an a marketing force and yeah. I I was really impressed because I've gone to like a lot of films at the Kentucky theater and to see that theater packed like that for like something that's homegrown because I've seen like indie films from around the world go in there and it's like not that many people so yeah. it was it was exciting and it was also exciting to see like super diverse crowd I was super stoked Allison was kind of we we're kind of bummed because we wanted Allison to win the run the rap jacket but then I saw this little little girl, little um, like African American girl, win the rap jacket, and I was like, "This is sick!" So someone took like the, all these kids, and it was a really great diverse crowd. And that that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. we got uh, uh, we got about seventy five uh, winter coats donated yeah. for the uh, uh, family care center, um, and also raised some money for the Life Adventure Center. Cool, so that's awesome. So two things before we before we bounce out. So uh, well, not two things. But I always like to sign off with some songs, with some songs on y'all's mind. Songs that, um, for me, songs feel like my workouts. I listen to them when I'm hiking, when I'm paddling, you know. Can I go album? Yeah. It's kind of generic, but yeah. I have been stuck for the last month on Tom Petty's Wildflowers album. Like it was an album I never listened to a long time ago, and for some reason it came up, and because I, I always listen to music by the album, that's my style, never by the song, never by the playlist, and I've been listening to that album almost nonstop for like the last month. Chicken Wire Empire would be my choice. It is Wisconsin-based bluegrass, uh, but they sourced, uh, or they, I shouldn't say they sourced, I sourced their music for the film. Um, and I worked with them and they were able to provide me with some instrumental tracks and I wasn't super into bluegrass. Um, I like the style of music itself, but I don't often care for, uh, the vocal stylings and like country music and some bluegrass acts I've heard. Uh, and I actually really like their stuff and started to listen to it. So that's chicken wire empire. Um, yeah, yeah. They're a great group and provided some awesome, uh, music tracks to go with the film. Sweet. What about you? Mine is it's taste by K Trinata off his uh, newest album, Bubba. K. Trinata is a electro-funk DJ, or electro-funk artist from Canada. 
And so um, this is his follow up to I forget this his previous album, but it's one that I listen to like all the time. And so he just dropped it a few months ago, Bubba and this taste song. It's it's great. It's upbeat. It's funky. It's dirty. I, I love it. This has been Floor Seats uh, hosted by Jerry James. Be sure to subscribe on all major platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, uh, Stitcher. And um, check us out. Check Explore Kentucky out on Instagram at Explore Kentucky. And then myself at Jerry Sivo. And then you can go to, to find out more about the show and listen to other episodes. You can go to jerrysevo.com slash four seats. But this is our show for today. Thank you all for being here. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Heath. Go and, have an adventure in your backyard. Oh, yeah. We out. <laughs>